Um, okay, we're going to jump right in uh, to the message this morning. We're going to continue in our series. Hello, um, my name is Jesus. We're in week four. Obviously, our text has been Philippians 3.10a, and uh, basically that'll be up there on the screen in just a moment. Uh, basically, we're, we're kind of letting this be kind of our, our guide as we go through this. It says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person, and uh, more strongly and more clearly. The point of all of this that we've been going through these last couple of weeks is this understanding that we want to know Jesus better. We don't want to just know him in in a surface level, we want to actually know him in a deeper level than maybe we have before. So we've been trying to look at some of the aspects of Jesus' personality that maybe we haven't always focused in on. So today we're going to focus on something that maybe you've thought about, maybe you haven't. But I'd like to introduce you today to the fierceness of Jesus. The fierceness of Jesus. Now, I, I know that this can have kind of a negative understanding when we hear about fierce. And so I actually went in the dictionary um, and I found these definitions from the Cambridge Dictionary. Um, and that I really want, when you think of the word fierce, this is what I want you to think of as what I'm kind of talking about this morning. And this is what it says. It's an adjective, all that good stuff. It says strong and powerful, showing strong feelings or energetic activity. Okay, so, so this, is, this is the Jesus that we serve. Jesus was very fierce in so many ways, but he was strong and powerful, showing strong feelings or energetic activity. So, Because when I look at things sometimes, and we've talked about this before, we kind of see this, this meek and mild Jesus. And yes, he was humble, and yes, he was mild, but yes, he was also fierce. Jesus was not afraid to, to get in and deal with things and situations in a way that, that, I'll just be quite honest with you, that may be a little shocking to some of us. If we actually could go back in time and see Jesus's reaction and see how Jesus responded to situations and circumstances, it might scare us a little bit. It may surprise us a little bit. Jesus was not a weakling in any way, shape, or form. He was strong, and sometimes in situations, it would be cause for him to be stronger, and probably stronger than we might even understand or realize. And so this morning, what I'd like to do, and we'll see, I'm not quite sure, um, honestly, if we're going to get through this. Um, I I don't know when, if we'll try to get through it all, or we may stop after a little bit. I'm not quite sure. But we're going to start with this first point and basically talk about some of the things that Jesus was fierce towards. Things that, that when that fierceness rose up inside of him, what was going on, the situations that he was dealing with, and help us to understand a little bit more about his personality. So the first thing is the fierceness of Jesus towards things that separate us from him. Separate us from him. Now, some of you know this story. It's found in John, uh, the second chapter, um, 13 through 16. Basically, Jesus is, is just kind of in Jerusalem and he's, he goes into the temple, and this is what it says it says, It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover. Celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. Being a, a good Jewish man, he went to Jerusalem for the Passover. It says, In the temple area, he saw merchants selling. Cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Okay, so let's stop here and let's kind of give you an idea of really what's going on. Uh, this is taking place, and we're, it's a little bit more in your notes a little bit later, but we'll, we'll go with it. Um, basically, this is taking place in, in the court of the Gentiles, okay? Now, if you understand the, the con- not the concept, but if you understand kind of the layout of the temple... 
basically, uh, this was an area where they were selling sheep and cattle and so on and so forth, okay? So to give you a little bit more background, the people would travel to Jerusalem for Passover, and they were there to give sacrifices to God. Well, they wouldn't travel with animals and things like that. They would basically go, and they would buy animals at the temple area that they would then use to sacrifice, okay? The other thing they would have to do is they have to pay a temple tax, okay? And so basically, these guys are there, and, and they're basically doing a couple of things that, that really begins to bother Jesus. And like I said, it's in the notes, and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but we're going to have to move a little bit quicker. Uh, and that is this. They are extorting people of money. Basically, they are taking advantage of the situation financially, and also they are in this court of the Gentiles. The court of the Gentiles is the only place where a Gentile person can come and actually pray. And now it's completely blocked off, okay? You need to picture what this is looking like, okay? Look at what the scripture says. It says there's cattle and there's sheep, okay? Think of pens, large areas where large animals are being stored. There are tables with men sitting at them with with money. There are doves in cages. This is a pandemonium-type scene. Okay? And this is what Jesus walks into, and he begins to see this happen in his father's house. Okay? So this is a loud bunch of just craziness going on, and Jesus walks in, and this is what happens. He says, after he sees all this, Jesus made a whip from some rope and chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over, uh, over the floor, and turned over their tables. Now, let's stop here, and let's look at what's happened. So Jesus sees this situation. He observes it. And then the scripture says that basically Jesus leaves it to find a way to make a weapon. Okay? Scripture literally says that Jesus finds things to come together to make a cord or a whip. This is not Jesus coming into a situation, seeing it reacting, exploding, and having a fit. This is Jesus seeing, he leaves, and he goes. This gives Jesus plenty of time to cool down. Okay, how many of you, we, we, we all do this. We see something, it upsets us, especially somebody like me who can be very emotional. We see something and we go, Pow! now maybe you're better than that, than I am. Hopefully you are. But I see something, Pow! Jesus doesn't do this here. He sees the situation and he leaves and he actually goes and begins to make a court. Now remember, this is craziness going on. And then all of a sudden, this man rushes in and starts whipping things around. Now think about what this is looking like. Okay, this is where we have to stop and and put some meat and bones on the story that we're dealing with. Cattle, how many of you have ever been around cattle? Me? Just that? Okay, four of us? Good. Okay, you know, cattle are, are not necessarily easily moved animals, but when they do, there's actually a term for it. It's called a stampede. Okay? So that means it's a bigger thing. It's a big thing. So Jesus starts going in. He starts to, to get these animals moving. And what, what do animals do? Animals have been sitting there. Have you ever seen a cow before? And the cow's just sitting there. Cows are pretty docile animals until you do something that excites them. And all of a sudden, they go nuts. They go kind of crazy. So Jesus is this crazy man looking like, runs in and starts going, what are you all doing here? The animals start to freak out. The, 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 the sheep are starting to go crazy. They're moving out. Cows are starting to be broken now. Jesus walks up to tables and, thank you for leaving this here, and goes, Rah! well, what's on the table? Coins. You ever taken like a big jar of coins and gone to like a, like a uh, kitchen or something like that that has a um, tile floor? And gone. 
Those are going all over the place. Tables are going all over the place. Obviously, beautiful flowered runners are going all over the place. And all this is hitting the ground. Jesus is still going at it. People are running down. They're on their hands and knees trying to get their money. People are going, this is not, this is pandemonium. This is not the little meek, mild Jesus that we see. Of My father's house shall be called a house of prayer. Leave, please. This is a hurricane. This is, this is literally a bull in a china shop. That's the Jesus we serve. Now listen, we don't want to misunderstand. There were still moments where children came to him. There were moments where he was meek and mild. But remember, this is about understanding Jesus in a full holistic understanding. There were times where Jesus was strong and fierce and was loud and commanded the situation. This was not Jesus going away. This was not Jesus having a moment. Jesus, this was a planned act of strength and aggression. Do you understand that? Like I said, it's, it's, we, we, we want to see Jesus at times as kind of this, like this is, you know, it's like we, we see the statue, this is Jesus our buddy guy, you know. Hey, Jesus don't mess around either. Jesus is strong. Listen, I want you to have that understanding of who our Jesus really is. If you think Jesus was weak, you could be no, you, you, you could be no further from the truth. He was amazing. And he came in and he saw this and he was upset. Why was he so upset? Well, listen, I think he was upset because people were getting taken advantage of. I totally agree with that. But I think he was also upset because there was separation that was being caused by this. God hates separation from you. Do you realize that? That wells something up inside of him that I think is beautiful. This thought that basically, you realize that we were never created to be separated from God. You go back and you look at the garden and you see what God saw as good, okay? What was good? It was us in deep, close communion with him. What separated that? Our sin. Jesus does not like things that separate us. He wants to be close to you. Listen, hear me here. Jesus will fight to be close to you. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think about, let's just be honest. Can we do that? What is your reaction to being close to Jesus? Because I'd say probably most of it is pretty passive. It's pretty much, if I have time, then I will make time for him. I will do what I need. Jesus is fierce in his desire to be close to you. He doesn't like things that separate whether they be money changers in a temple or things that get in the way of our relationship with him, Jesus will fight for you. Jesus is a warrior and he will fight for us and fight for victory in our lives, which is so cool, which is so important. Next, we'll talk about another story. The fierceness of Jesus towards death. I love this one. This is a great one. Let's look at John eleven thirty two. In John eleven thirty two 32, it's a story that most of you know. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Obviously, it's the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And it says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her. Now, this is important. We're going to look at this in just a second. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply Trouble. Okay, now let's stop here for a second and let's look at this because if you look in other translations, 
you'll see, and I use, this is the uh, New Living Translation. I use this one because a lot of times what it'll say, it, it, it kind of skips this idea of deep anger, and basically you see was deeply troubled or deeply, deeply troubled is kind of this word. This comes from a word that in the Greek, and, and listen, it's in your notes, and I, I wish that I paid more attention in Greek class, um, but I have no idea how to pronounce this. So you can look at it, it's right there. But this is what it means. It says deeply moved or troubled is the word imbrium. Yeah, there it is, okay? In Greek, which means, and this is important, you check this out, and this is where we see this anger welling up, which means to snort with anger. Okay? Here's here's the picture that we have gotten over the years that is somewhat misleading. Jesus comes and he sees the hurt in Mary and Martha, and he is deeply moved. He's deeply troubled. Okay? Okay? Now, is that a correct translation? In some ways it is, but it's incomplete. And that's why in this translation we see this anger welling up inside of him. If this will help you think this this is... This, and I was trying to think about it the last couple of weeks as I was putting these things together. It's like, what does it mean to snort in anger? You know? I don't know what that looks like to you. The only thing I can think of in my life, it'd be like, you ever like get so mad at something, you're just like, and you know, you're trying to make sure you don't have anything in your nose, because if you do that, when it does, you might lose some stuff, you know what I'm saying? You know, I'm like, oh goodness gracious, I, I've thought about doing that this week, I was like, I've got to be careful, I don't want to, you know, get snot all over, you know, tealin or something, but, you know, I want you to picture this, okay? Jesus, now listen, Jesus knows what's going to happen. He knows that, Jesus, that Lazarus is going to be raised back from the dead. And he still, he comes to this situation and he is angry. Listen to me, hear me in this. God, our Jesus, despises death. Why? Because death is the wages of sin. Death was never a part of God's plan for you. You realize that, right? Death was never the situation that he, when he said everything was good in the garden, it was that you were going to be with him forever and ever and ever. The problem that we have is when we took the fruit and we disobeyed, that's when death entered the world. He said, if you eat of the fruit, you will surely what? Die. Death was always an option, but it wasn't the plan. And I think Jesus despises death. And so here he is, he shows up, and this is his friend. And this is the people he cares about. And you begin to see this, this welling up, this fierceness becoming. Jesus is sitting there. And then in John 11, as we continue with the story, we're going to jump in 38, 39, and then keep going. It says this, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Okay, now let's jump to 41. It says, so they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for those the sake, uh, for those uh, out loud for the sake of those or these people standing here. And so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. Now let's stop here and let's look at this story a little bit deeper. Jesus has been told that this has happened. He is not happy about it. 
In fact, I think Jesus is almost on the brink of just being furious. He is emotional at this particular moment, but he's in complete control of his emotions. We see Jesus weeping. We see Jesus angry. We see Jesus fierce. We see Jesus walking up to the tomb, still upset, still mad at the situation, still mad that his kids, the kids that he loves, the kids that he cares about have died and have gone a direction that he never intended for them to go, and he's furious. What's beautiful about this is when you look at that word shouted, the same word that John uses in his gospel for this word shout is the same word that he uses when he shouts down the winds and the waves. Same word. Now, I don't know what your mind picture is here, okay? But we've got to look at this holistically. We've got to look at the whole thing. So if your mind has been, okay, here comes Jesus, Now, remember, what we've read before is we see this deeply troubled and deeply moved. So, you know, does Jesus come up and, I'm just so sad. Oh, Lazarus, come out. That is not what we see in Scripture. That is not, when we go back and we look at the original language, we are not seeing that. We see a Jesus of authority and of power and of strength. And he doesn't just ask Lazarus to come out. He commands him to come out. I remember thinking that as a kid. Like, like listen, listen. What, what, what are we all hoping for one day? We all want to go be with Jesus. Lazarus has been in that situation for the last three days. Listen, can, can everybody hear me here? Okay, my wife's downstairs. I think she'd understand. If I have a heart attack in the next five minutes, let me go. Don't bring me back. Get what I'm saying? Lazarus here has been spinning the last three days. If, I, I really believe it. If Jesus had said, hey, Lazarus, you want to come back? Lazarus would have been like, nope, I'm cool. Everything's good. He doesn't ask him to come back. He commands him to come back. There's power in that. There's strength in that. I don't think Jesus walked up and said, Lazarus, come forth if you have the time. He commanded him. He said, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus doesn't even take the time to get out of the grave close. He just comes wombling out. Strength. Authority. Listen, Jesus has not stopped despising death. That's why he came to give us eternal life. It's what he did. It's why he came. Look at John 10.10. It says this. In John 10.10, it says, the thief only comes to steal, now check this out, and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He came to give us life. He came to bring forth life in our lives. And he is not sitting back there going, hey guys, if you want this, it's cool. No. He is strong. And he's calling us forth. And he's saying, listen, I have come to give you life because I can't stand death. Because the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that you may have life. And he's strong with it. Number three, the fierceness of Jesus towards things that impede his plan. 
And what we're going to do, let me do this. Let's do this. Let's also put in four. Let's join three and four. Okay, Monica? We'll see what we do verse-wise. But let's put these together. The three and four verses here that we're looking at is, is the fact that, that, that the fierceness of Jesus towards the things that impede his plan and the fierceness of Jesus towards things that control our lives. Okay, so impede and control. Okay, let's look at this first section here. Look at Mark 4.35. In Mark 4.35, we see this. It says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Jesus had been teaching all day. He's exhausted at this point. And so basically he says, let's get into this boat and let's go to the other side of this lake that they're on. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Because he was kind of teaching from the boat. There were... Uh, also other boats with him. And now a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Remember, he'd been teaching all day and Jesus is tired. He's wore out. It says the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Okay, now, let's stop here for just a second. Let's look at the context of the story. Jesus has been teaching all day long. He's in a boat. There's probably not a lot of shade. He's probably hot. He may be sunburned. He's not doing very well. He's tired. You ever been outside and been doing something all day long in the sun and the heat? And basically, now you're tired. So he gets in this boat, and he goes down into the bottom of the boat, and he begins to sleep. And this big storm comes up. Well, as this storm is coming up, they come down, and they wake up Jesus. Listen, my son has learned something something about his father. You don't wake up dad. Bad thing. Not a good moment. Why? Because dad is not necessarily the most loving, gentle father when he's been woken up out of deep sleep. So he's been woken up. Jesus is sleeping. These disciples, we're going to die. We're going to die. And Jesus gets up. As we continue on with verse number 39, it says, he got up. Now this is important rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now remember, I understand that we all have this vision of Jesus with the plate on his head and he's just la all the time. Listen, in the story, Jesus is tired. We kind of see in his response to them afterwards, he's a little bit kind of, I know this may be hard to take, a little annoyed. He basically says, seriously guys, don't you have any faith? And he gets up there, and I could just see this. You know, it's like we have these pictures, and I know you've seen him. Jesus at the front of the boat, like, like Titanic. What if Jesus did this? Okay, I, this is what it says. But again, let's put some words on What if Jesus comes out of the stern? Hey, quiet. Going back to bed. Now, now I want you to stop there, and I want you to think about this for a second. Did I take that out of context? It's just, he just says, be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. What if Jesus did that? What if Jesus is just so annoyed with the situation? I was sleeping. I was having good dreams. This is great. Hey, shut it. And he goes back to bed. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. Jesus doesn't say, quiet, be still. The Bible says that he literally rebukes the wind and the waves. He rebukes them. And then he goes back to bed, more than likely. Now, let's jump ahead. Let's look at, this is why we can combine these two. And I actually had these combined before, and then I split them, and now I'm going to put them right back together. Let's look now at Mark 1.23, okay? The fierceness of Jesus towards things that control our lives. Look at this. This is another story in Mark. 
It says, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, and I love this. Uh, listen, listen, hear me here, okay? I love it when the enemy speaks the truth of God. Can I ask you a question? Listen, the enemy does this. How often do we? Okay? How often do we? I'm not trying to be mean here, but listen, our job too is to speak the truth out loud of of who Jesus is. So the enemy sees this, an impure spirit cries out, what do you want with us? Jesus of, I think it says Nazareth, moving on, 24, there you go, Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now listen, that's a a message series, right? And you know, we're not going to focus on that. Be quiet. Now, here again. The same word that we see Jesus using in the rebuking of the wind and waves is the same word that Mark uses here to record this portion. Be quiet, Jesus said Jesus. Now, what's this say? Nice, kind, sweet, loving, sternly. Jesus is not messing around. Come out of him. Exclamation point. Not, well, if you have the time, or if you're not doing anything later, he says, shh, I was going to say, yeah. he says, be quiet and get out. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out with him with a shriek. Strength. Strong. Listen. That's our Jesus. Why is this important? Why is it important that we see? Listen, because you know what? I don't know about you, but there's things in my life that I face that aren't little, that are hard. And please understand what I'm saying here. In that moment, I don't need a meek, mild Jesus, even though that's sometimes who he is. I need a strong Jesus. I need a Jesus who will not mess around. I need a Jesus who comes into those situations and those circumstances and says, enough. Get out. When I was a kid, I was the oldest boy. And um, I was the oldest kid. We had four. And my brother and my twin sisters. And, and um, it's funny, my brother, um, if you look at him now, he's taller than I am. I think he's almost 6'1 or, or something, and, and he's, he's taller than I am. But when we were kids, he was little. I mean, he was a little guy. And I wasn't huge, but I was bigger than him. And, and I remember he was dealing with some stuff at school, or, or, or somebody was bothering him. I can't remember exactly what the situation was. And, and you know, I found out about it. And, and, and this is going to sound kind of funny because, like, some of you know me and some of you don't. But, like, like there is um, there's certain things that you can get away with in my life. And there are certain things that you and I are going to have problems. Okay? And, and especially as a younger kid and trying to get through understanding life and maturity, one of them is you didn't mess with my little brother. I mess with my little brother, but that's it. You know what I mean? Nobody else can mess. But I... And I remember he was having problems, and I was, I'm two years older than he is, and so I had a little bit of a head start with the kid that he was dealing with. And um, I walked into that situation one time. And um, you know what? In that moment, my little brother didn't need a, a meek and mild brother. 
He needed someone who said, enough. And you are not going to touch somebody that I love. You know, sometimes in our lives, we deal with some hard, hard things. And the enemy comes in like a flood. And he comes in like an earthquake. And he comes in so strong. And in that moment, we have to call on Jesus and know that he is a warrior and he fights for us. He doesn't mess around. He is strong and mighty and big. And no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what we're dealing with, whether it's things that separate us or it's things that control us or it's things that, that we're dealing with that are, that are that death, whatever it might be, our Jesus wants to come and fight. In the end of all this in Revelation, we see a slightly different picture of Jesus, but one that is just as true and just as clear. And it's Jesus returning on a white horse. And he is coming as conqueror and king of kings and lord of lords. Listen, I know it's hard sometimes because we have these understandings of Jesus and he just seems so, hear me here, sweet. And he is sweet. But he also fights. I want to close with this and go way back to the very beginning of what we talked about in John. He's clearing the temple. This is pandemonium. It's craziness. It's loud. If the the worship team wants to come on up, it's nuts. It is just pandemonium. We don't know how long this action took, but I, I, I bet you it was longer than we probably expect or think, okay? But this is going on. Jesus has turned over the tables. Now listen to what he says. He says, then... Going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Now, I have skipped over that so much in my life because because I've mainly focused on the red words. Okay? Get out, and I know it's, it's, it's all a part of this, but, but the red words of get out of my house. This is the, you're, you're turning my house into a marketplace. And, and so, so. But you realize what Jesus does here. And, this, and I want us to, to kind of close with this because Jesus is strong and Jesus is fierce. And, and Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. And he comes and he's clearing this out. Now, now remember, where are the doves? You've you got to have doves in cages because if doves aren't in cages, what do doves do? What happens if you throw a dove onto the ground? It kills it. it. Hurts it. Especially if it's nowhere to go. You know, you, you see these little birds? They're, they're not really overly strong. They're little. In the midst of all of this chaos of, of cows mooing and the sound of hoofs on, on cobblestones and coins flinging and, and, and people yelling, get the coins, get the stuff. I mean, just tables being, I mean, all this. Jesus stops and says, save the doves. Don't let the doves get hurt. 
Be gentle with those things that need to be gentle. You see, there's a fierceness in Jesus. And at the same time, there's a gentleness. It's what makes him the most amazing person that has ever been or will ever be. That he's able in the midst of that to take those animals and keep them safe. Reminding me of the scripture that basically says he cares about the sparrows. You see, because when I share stuff like this, my fear is that we all of a sudden now we, 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 we switch the pendulum over again. And instead of seeing that kind Jesus, we see a Jesus that's almost angry and mad. Jesus here is not angry or mad at us. He's angry and mad at the stuff that sometimes we do that keeps us from him. But even in the midst of that, even in the midst of that fierceness, he says, keep the dove safe. Listen, there are things that God wants to do in your life and in my life that we don't allow him to do at times because we're afraid of him. We're afraid that he's going to be too harsh or too negative or too honest. And because of that, we don't allow him to do the deep cleansing work he really wants to do in our heart. Listen here, hear me and understand this. Yes, Jesus is fierce. Yes, he will go after things with reckless abandonment in areas in our life that need to be dealt with and fixed and brought back into submission with him. But he will also keep your dove safe. He knows exactly how much to do. He knows exactly those areas in our lives that are more sensitive And so you don't need to be afraid of Jesus. Know that in those areas, he knows. And he loves you so much. But there's a fierceness in him that wells up at times. The author of our book that we're using, a lot of this, he makes the comment, he says, John Eldridge, he says, he goes, I want to get to know that Jesus better. But he scares me a little. It's okay to be a little bit in awe of Jesus. It's okay to look at him and know that there's a fire in this man's eyes at times. But there's also a tenderness. But listen, Jesus loves you so much that if you'll allow him, he will attack those things in your life that need to be changed. He will go after it. He will be firm and strong and speak to those things if you'll let him. But no, he'll always, he'll always let those doves remain safe. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Jesus, these are things that, you know, I I don't know, Jesus, it just seems like we've, our culture, our world, our lives, we've kind of softened you a little too much. And yeah, I I totally get it, man. Kids loved you. People loved you. Mean, angry, bitter people. Kids don't run up to those types of people. We get that. And I think that for millennium, millennial, whatever the word is, I think that we have... We, we, we kind of were the other way. It was Jesus, you were just angry and mean, and that's not true either. We want to find that understanding that, that at times you were fierce and strong. 
But other times, you knew just how to smile. So we want a holistic view. Jesus, I've, I've, I've said this before. I've, I've said that this is what I want to be, but, but you were the perfect, perfect showing of this. You were steel wrapped in velvet. You were strong and mighty and were unbendable. But also you were soft to the touch. You were gentle when you needed to be. And so Jesus, right now, as I was putting this together, I just felt like you were speaking to me through this week that there are people here that desperately need your strength. They are fighting battles. They are going through things that are hard and difficult. And they don't need a weak Jesus. They need a strong Jesus. They need a Jesus that speaks to the storm and says, quiet and be still. They need a Jesus who walks into a situation where things have been controlling their lives and tormenting their lives. And they need a Jesus that, okay, be quiet and get out. A Jesus that'll crumb running through the temple of our lives and destroy and to turn over money changers' tables and let things go crazy because it needs to be cleaned out. But at the same time, understand there's doves that can be hurt and to ask them to be gently placed aside. That's the Jesus you are. That's the Jesus we need. And so, Jesus, I'm asking for me and for everyone here that's willing, we will open our hearts to that Jesus. A Jesus that quite honestly may scare us a little bit. But a Jesus that is our Father who is strong, mighty, King of kings, Lord of lords, comes riding back as a conqueror. Strong and mighty. That's the Jesus you are. That's the Jesus we worship. That's the Jesus we serve just as much as the humble one, the kind, gentle one. Because we remember that we learned last week, everything you did, Jesus, is an act of love. Even your fierceness was an act of love. So Jesus, in in your fierce way, come and love on us a little bit. In our fierce way, speak to those areas of our life strongly that need to be focused in on right now. Because you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You are in charge. And we, we let you have all those things. We love you. We thank you.